Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank God for another wonderful Sunday. Uh, if you're watching at home, I just want to welcome you again to our uh, virtual service. Uh, virtual sounds unreal. I just like to say uh, home service. Amen. <laughs> now, it means you're watching from home. Uh, I'm going to be taking the tithes and offerings, but as usual, we normally share a short message just to give everyone an opportunity to release their faith along with your giving. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to um, Psalm 91. This psalm has become very popular in this time. Thank you, instrumentalist. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. And if you don't know this psalm this season, you should know it. And if you want to put it up, please put it up in the New Living Translation. I'm sure most people have read it in the King James. So I'm just going to take a few minutes, read it in the New Living Translation. And I believe that um, as we read it, our faith will still will be built up, especially in a time like this. It said, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place, my place of safety. Turn to somebody say, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's continue. He said, for I will... For he, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. Amen. From the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. Somebody said, does God have feathers? Well, yes. Illustratively. Praise God. He will shatter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Somebody say, Hallelujah. So what is your armor and your protection? His promises. What about if you don't know the word of God? Um, well, I don't know how effective you will be protected. Again, verse 1 again. He said, can you go to verse 1 again? He said, he who lives in the shelter of the Most High shall find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The King James says, he that dwelleth in the secret place. Now, one of the things I just want to establish in, in as we take our offering this morning or we give God worship, whatever kind of worship that we're giving him today, is that, just like we have studied in the school of the word, that there is the responsibility of grace towards us, uh, and God is so good, so kind, but there is also a responsibility that we have towards God. And for us to enjoy the protection, the provision, the, 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 the love, the grace of God, to enjoy it, it's there already. For us to enjoy it, we have to respond to it. We have to receive it. We have to believe it. We have to dwell there. We have to say certain things. So let's go back again, verse 1. We said, those who live in the shelter. So you have to live there. This is not everybody that seems to enjoy this, unfortunately. He said, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Then he says, there are things you have to say. Now, if you keep saying, well, this thing is going to, it's getting so bad, we don't know what's happening. Oh, no, our finances are, being, are in trouble now. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job. 
Are you going to enjoy this verse, this chapter, or this verse? No, not necessarily. The Bible tells us there are things you need to say. And you want to keep this in your mouth. He said, this I declare about the Lord. He alone. I like that word alone there. Praise God. He alone is my refuge, my place of self-safety. He is my God, and I trust in him. Let's continue. He said, for he will rescue you from every evil trap. Now, if you start saying these things about the Lord, what will happen? He will rescue you from every evil trap and protect you from deadly diseases. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So you can use your, his promises, his word, for protection. He said, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Somebody say hallelujah. You know, one of the things we have been hearing over and over again, that we are facing an invisible enemy. Now, this is what the scripture is saying. There is a disease that stalks in darkness. means you can't see it. Now, if it was someone, a nation, a group of people, it was easy to attack. But something like a virus, uh, where are you going to attack it? You can't see it. You just have to believe what the medical uh, professionals are saying and try to do what they ask you to do. But the Bible says, however, if you make the most high your habitation, if you, if you, if you, if you trust in him alone, he said he will deliver you from the dread of the diseases that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that striketh at midday. He said, though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you these evils will not touch you somebody say hallelujah now i have to keep emphasizing this because some people say well what are you saying those people who died or who are dying are they not uh, christians i didn't say that but the bible says here and we believe the bible is true that if you make the most high your habitation then these things wouldn't touch you it wouldn't touch you i said it wouldn't touch you Somebody say hallelujah. He said, even a thousand may die. Ten thousand. Now, we're hearing numbers like that today. Uh, but the Bible says, if you make the most high your habitation, if you dwell in the sacred place, uh, these things wouldn't touch you. He said, do a thousand fall at your side. Ten thousand are, are dying around you. This evil will not touch you. So the Bible calls diseases evil. The virus is evil. Sickness is evil. Poverty is evil. He said, just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge. Now, he says, if. These, are, these are, are things that you have to do. This is your responsibility. You have to make the Lord your refuge. He said, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Somebody say, hallelujah. You know, like I said, many have quoted these verses, but... I want to remember again, the Bible puts conditions on this. I know people say, well, that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you don't need those conditions. That's not true. The only condition we have always had is a condition of faith. If you trust God, if you make the Lord your most high, if you believe in God, it's not necessarily talking about you have to obey all the commandments, you have to do all the nice things, but he says that there is a responsibility, however. Now, this is very key because sometimes when people begin to understand uh, grace, 
inappropriately. They think, well, it's only up to God. God loves everyone. So anyone who falls, anyone who got sick, it was up to God. We don't know why. Uh, God is kind, is good, but we just don't know why some people get sick. Some don't catch it. Well, if you don't catch it, just give God thanks. God is just singling you out out of his own grace and will. The ones who died, well, maybe that was good for them. Maybe they needed to go home. Maybe they needed, maybe God needed another angel in heaven. Now, we've had so many, so many explanations. But if you look through the scriptures properly, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that if you make the most high your habitation, if you trust in him with all your heart, if you make him your only hope, he said it will not. didn't say it might not. The King James says surely, surely, meaning that you are assured these things won't come nigh you. He said he will, he will order his angels to protect you. Somebody say hallelujah. Wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot against a stone. Hallelujah. He said you will trample upon the cobras and the lions and the viruses. I added that one, pride viruses. Amen. Because they didn't know about viruses those days. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Now, this is a very key verse. He said, I will rescue those who love me, I will protect those who trust in me. Hallelujah. He said, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and order on them. So we discover here that the Bible says, I will rescue those who love me. Verse 14 again. He said, he will rescue those who love me. So what am I talking about? You can just say, loving God is what I'm sharing about giving this morning. So God is not only out there just... Uh, you know, um, just, you know, maybe like some people would say, he just selects who he wants to bless. That's not what I'm talking about. God wants to bless everyone, but not everyone is able to receive this blessing because those who don't love God are not able to partner with God to do what God wants to do. So even though God loves everyone, it's not everyone that loves God. And it's the ones who love God that are able to receive from God. Somebody say hallelujah. Now one of the most popular verses of scripture is John 3.16. You can put it up, put it up. Maybe in the King James. It said, uh, for God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it's saying that this, this, is, this is open to everyone. Everyone. So everyone can be healed. Everyone. If you're watching this and you're sick in your body, you're going through challenges, you can be healed. You know, I know people send prayer requests and we do pray um, for people who are in need. People keep saying, pray for me, pray for me, let God heal me, let God save me, let God provide for me. Now, these things are legitimate prayer requests. But as you read the scripture, we discover it's not just up to God. Now, even though God wants to bless everyone, God wants to heal everyone, people still need to receive the healing from God. And that's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 2. It said, it is by grace are we saved through faith. It's not our ability. He said, it's a gift of God, but you have to receive it by faith. Grace is only assessed by faith. So it's by grace we are saved. And that word saved means healed. It means also prosperous, made, made prosperous. It means to be blessed. 
So where am I saying all of this? These are seasons, are interesting seasons. Uh, we know right now, uh, if you listen to the news, which I don't advocate that you listen to all the time, you discover that a lot of the world is going through what they call a pandemic. And many people are afraid, not only for the health of the people, but the finances, the economy of the nations are being halted because people are asked to stay home. And many people who, who have daily jobs, weekly jobs, monthly jobs, many of them, unfortunately, are not getting paid. I know the governments are doing what they can. Some governments are richer than other governments. So some government give uh, you know large sums or some something somewhat good enough to feed maybe. But there are some governments to just give two loaves of bread for a whole month. Now, how are those people going to survive if, for example, they don't have another kind of income and they do on a daily level? Now, so what should they do? How do they survive such cases? And that's what I'm start talking about. The Bible says, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you will un abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Not everybody is going to be able to receive this, but God is going to cause everything to work together for your good. Now put on Romans chapter number 8, and we're going to read one or two more verses of Scripture before we pray for the offering this morning. So the Bible says, for those who love God, those who love God, everything <clears throat> will, be, will work together for good. What does everything mean? Everything, all things, all things, all things will work together. Which means that even if the government shuts down, who is going to benefit? The one who loves God. That means that no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on, I know it looks frightful, man, looks, you know, very, very, you know, bleak to some. How am I going to make money? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to have enough money to survive? But the Bible says that all things work together for good. Verse 28, Romans 8. Let's put up verse 28. The Bible says all things will work together for good for those who love God, who are the called according to his good purpose. He said, and we know that all things work together for, for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So how many of us love God? So what does that mean when things are going down around us? What's going to happen to us? Things are going to work together for our good. They are going to work together for our good. Now, this is very, very key. Now, the Bible doesn't say that all things work together for good for everyone. Now, many people seem to assume that. Now, Yes, it's true all things work together for good. But he gives us the category of people. He says, for those who what? Who love God. Who love God. And who are the called. So many people don't spend a lot of time looking at whether they love God. And I understand that there's need for us to know how much God loves us. Because we can love God until we first know that he loves us. The Bible says we love him because he first loves us. But it's not just because he loves us that things begin to work together for good. It's not just because he died for us on the cross, that's why we go to heaven. It's not just because he took his stripes of Jesus, or, or the stripes of our sickness and disease on his body, that's why people are healed. That makes the provision. That's the power thereof. But the way to receive it is that we have to respond by faith. We have to love God in return. Now, some people say, I don't understand, Pastor. You say, God so loved the world. How come people are dying? Thousands. We're hearing thousands from different nations. I mean, succumbing to this sickness, to this disease, and to that disease. Where is the love of God? Somebody said, where was God in September 11 when thousands of people died? And so many other things like have happened like that over the ages. Uh, but it's very clear. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world, but yet he can only affect, change, protect those 
who love him in return. Why? Because God is a gentle God. He doesn't force himself on anyone. If you want his protection, you have to ask for it. If you want his provision, you have to ask for it. And how do you ask for it? By faith in Christ Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So let's go to the great, the great faith chapter, Hebrews 11. We'll round up from there. So you say, well, I believe God. I believe God. Yeah, I know. Everybody says that. We read that in Bible study on Wednesday. So you say, I believe God. You say, even the devils believe God and tremble. So there are things that the Bible teaches us that begins to indicate that people believe God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 1, 2. It says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Can you switch it to the living translation? I just want to be a little simpler today. Because I like the King James, but not everybody understands or speaks King James language. <laughs> All right, let's start from verse 1 again. Faith is being confident that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in days of old uh, earned a good reputation. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that we can see. It was by faith, this is a key verse, that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God shows his, showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Somebody say hallelujah. So one of the first examples the Bible mentions of faith from the Old Covenant, now if you read the whole of Hebrews, he talks about individuals of faith. And most of the people he mentioned were actually people of the Old Covenant, where there was the law, where there was Moses' law after a while. But he, didn't, he said God did not commend these people because they tried to obey the laws of Moses. God commended these people because they believed. They obeyed God. They believed God enough to obey. They had faith. And he gave the first example here, and he said, Abel... Uh, obeyed God, he loved God, he had faith in God, and the evidence was by what he brought as an offering. Somebody say hallelujah. So one of the ways we can show that we are in faith or we trust God, we believe God, is how we honor God with our tithes and our offerings. In this time, in this season, people say, well, I believe God, I don't have faith in my job, I don't have faith in the government, my faith is in God. How do you show it? Through your tithes and your offerings. You know, many people think tithes and offerings are just given to support the church, to, to help the church. And many people think oftentimes, yeah, that's why we need to just take it and, you know, use it to feed the poor. And, and thank God for all those good things. God commands us to minister to the poor and to help those that are in need. But one of the first reasons for tithes and offerings is not for the need of the church, but it's for the need of the one who is tithing. He wants you to be blessed. So he gives you an opportunity to show and to demonstrate your faith by bringing him the first and the blessed and the best. You see, in the Old Testament, so interesting, look at, the, like we're giving the example of Abel. Abel did not bring the offering because Abraham needed food. Praise God. <laughs> the, the offering didn't go to Abraham. Abraham was his father. There were just a few people in the earth. What Abel did was that he burnt the offering in an, in, in, in an altar. It was a burnt offering. 
destroy. Somebody say, why would you take a whole animal that people could eat, people could enjoy, and burn it? And God said, I'm pleased with that man. But because it's not really just about providing food for somebody else. It's not just about meeting needs. The first purpose of tithes and offering is to honor God. If God says, take the whole tithe and burn it up. We burn it up. Because we obey God. That's what it is. That's what most of the priests did in the Old Testament. They took a little part of it and they burned the rest on the altar. Were there there, there poor people who needed uh, ram legs at that time? Of course. Were there people who needed grains? Of course. There were other kinds of provisions for that. But the first thing was to give it to God. Give it to God. What am I saying is, the Bible tells us that in this last days, perilous times will come. And people who are going to be protected, and not just who like to be good issues, but those who honor God, who love God. And one of the best ways to express your love for God is to bring your tithes and your offerings. Give it to God. Take it to where God says. And honor God. Trust God. You're not, you're not trusting your pastor. Thank God they are good pastors. We also know there are not so many good, not so good pastors out there too. But it's not about the pastor. It's about honoring God. Hallelujah. So if you want to make sure your finances are secure, you want to make sure that all things are working together for good, then you need to honor God with your tithes. This is not a time to hold back. This is not the time to keep it and say, well, I'm going to need it. This is the time to say, God, you are my source. He said, you will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress. How do you say it? With your voice and with your action, corresponding action. So this is the time. And and I want to encourage you. Don't let the devil steal your faith by telling you, no, you're not going to have enough. You know, no, no, you can't give at this time. That is a trap so that you take your faith away from God and put it on your money or put it on the government. One of the proof, one of the proof. That you love God, that you have faith, your faith is in God, is in your giving. So when we say give in times like this, when we say give in challenging times, it's not because there is a need, it's for your own benefit. We see it in the woman of Zarephath, she was in her last, to her last food, the prophet said, give me first. But because she did that, we discovered that she was sustained. We see also where, we were, where we've been reading in Acts chapter number 10, Colinius, the Bible says, God said, you know, your, your, your offerings, your, your arms and your prayer has, has come to God as a memorial. And he said, send for Peter. There were many centurions in, in, in that place. There were many Jews who did not have an angel of visitation. So why did the angel select uh, Colinius? Because he was obeying all the laws? No. But because he loved God and he showed it by giving, by praying. And these are indicators of love. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, 6, it said, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision availeth anything but faith that walketh by love. So faith and love goes together. If you love God, you will trust him. If you trust him, you act the way he says you should act. And one of the first indicators here is in your giving. So let's just finish this to verse uh, 6 and we will round up and take our offerings. He said, it was by faith that Enoch was taken away to heaven without dying. Somebody say, hallelujah. You know, I like that part. I like that part. Serious. <laughs> the Bible says that you should count yourself worthy to escape all the destruction that is in the world. One of the first indicators of that escape was Enoch. Just disappeared. 
He escaped death. Somebody say hallelujah. He did not just escape sickness. He escaped sagging face and broken back and eventually dying and being buried. He just disappeared. I like that. He disappeared because God took him. But before God, before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. So it was not just God just said, okay, Enoch, you are the one coming. People say, oh, these are just sovereign choices. Yeah, God has a sovereign choice. But in scripture, we begin to see how God chooses. He chooses people of faith. And it, verse 6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This is a New Testament scripture. God doesn't reward everybody no matter what. Who does he reward? Those who sincerely, some King James says, who diligently, means you go according to the scriptures you seek him. So, so uh, uh, people don't just get provided for, you know, just because uh, their face looks nice or they just go to church, you know, God loves everybody. If you read Romans 8, where we were reading, if you continue, it says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, neither principalities, power, death, nor life, things in the past or things in the future. God's love is constant. But what distinguishes for us is our love for God. Do we love him? Do we obey his word? Do we keep it? Do we diligently seek him? Do we follow his instructions? If God says, sit here, and you refuse to sit there, and then you leave and you get into trouble, it's not because God didn't love you. It's just that you did not respond to God's love for you. So faith is responding to God's love. And one of the first and best ways to do that is to take your first and your best like we were instructed in scriptures. Not because the Old Testament law tells us to do it, but because we love God. We want to give him the best. When Abel brought his sacrifice, there was no law. But he loved God enough and said, hey, where is Fluffy? Praise God. He didn't just bring anything that he felt like, well, let's just give God because God needs to eat. No. That's not the purpose. The purpose is because you want to show God is number one, that your faith is in God. So if you have been holding back your offerings and your tithe, don't do so. Don't let the devil trick you. God has provisions for you through this season. Somebody say, hallelujah. I've been declaring that everyone who will believe God and trust God will come out of this season richer than they entered. You are coming out with more money in your account. More clothes that you have, praise God. More new houses, new cars, new, new, new lands, new provisions, new business ideas. People are going to come out from this season with business ideas that will bring millions to them. But you have to do it by faith. And you start by showing your love to God when you honor him first. So this morning, take a tithe, take an offering, give God thanks. For you to even be alive is a good reason to thank God. For you to be well is a good reason to thank God. Pray for those who are in the front line, the doctors, the pastors, praise God, and everyone who is in the, uh, uh, what they call first responders, that they will have faith. Because as long as their faith is intact, the Bible guarantees them protection. Pray that they will be able to turn to God. People who don't know God will turn to God this season. But you listening to my voice, take an offering out this morning. If you need uh, information on how to give uh, remotely, it will be showing on your screen. You can give uh, through our website, um, lovefoundation.org. You can do that if you're using a credit card. Or if, you're, if you want to give directly from your account, especially those in the U.S. here, you can do what they call the Zelle. The number is showing there. If you want to mail, there is also 
a PO Box number, uh, you can mail it to PO Box 41, Greenbelt, Maryland. And if you have your offering, just lift it up. We'll pray together and honor God with it. We're giving it to God. And we're going to release our faith with our offering. And we're calling in a harvest. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for giving us seed to sow. We thank you because you say when we give good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over shall be given unto us. You also said that you rebuke the devourer for our sake. So we honor you with our tithes and offerings. Not because you have a need. But because we have a need, we need your protection, we need your grace. We thank you because you love us and we receive it by faith that walks through love. We give this in honor to you and we thank you because the devourer is rebuked that we are increasing, never decreasing. You said the life of the righteous is like the breaking of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. I say sickness will not steal your finances. Neither shall you lose your job. Instead, you will have promotion. Much more money will come to you. You will not miss your stimulus package in the mail, neither will they put it in the wrong bank account. But it will find you in Jesus' name. You will even receive more than you thought you were going to receive. Because all of these things are means by which God is transferring wealth into your hands. And because you love God and you honor him and you trust him and you bring him your tithes and offerings, the goodness, the blessing of God that make it rich and has no sorrow is upon you today and always in Jesus' name. Sickness will not steal your money. Neither will accidents. No, you will not be jacked out for any reason. Your car will not be repossessed. No, because God will give his angels charge over you. And he has. So that you don't dash your foot against the stone. And the devourer, the thief, has been rebuked for your sake. There is a sign upon you and upon your household. The blood of Jesus is upon you. No evil will come nigh your dwelling. And because of you, your whole family will be protected. Your neighborhood will be exempt from the virus. And you will become light indeed to your generation. They will turn to you and say, thank you for teaching us the gospel. Now we can see deliverance and peace in our home. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the last